Well, good morning, family. Good to see everybody. That was kind of weak. Can we do that again? Good morning, family. There we go. At least everybody is awake now, uh, getting ready for the day. Before we get into the lesson, got a few announcements for you. Wanted to remind everyone, we, the elders started this last week and wanted to continue to encourage you that if you find yourself in need of counsel, prayer, whatever it is that you need, the el- one of the elders or two of the elders will be in the back conference room immediately following worship this morning. That was a spoiler alert. That wasn't supposed to be up yet. But anyway, so if you're having surgery upcoming, you find yourself having some questions about the scriptures, needing prayer, counsel, whatever it is that they can do for you, they're wanting to let you know that they are available back there immediately following services. I know that I'm starting to sound like a broken record, but that's okay. Life group sign-up sheet in the back. If you're interested in participating in life groups, Put your family name, and in parentheses, put the number of people in your family. Uh, next to that is we're going to start getting those groups built and making sure that everybody is, we're following the elders' guidance on how these groups are going to go. And we will let you guys know the first week of August who your group leader will be and how you need to do it. So watch the mail. But the ending of sign-up is July 18th. So that leaves you including today, three Sundays to get your family name on that list if you're wanting to participate. I know some of you are probably like, I'm not going to sign up, nothing. I'm not going to do it. Fine, then you'll just be at the church life group on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. That's how we'll we'll let you jump in on that one. That won't be a problem. Uh, There's also a greeter sign-up sheet in the back. Elders are wanting to reinstitute the entrance to the auditorium, having greeters there. They're covering it for right now. Uh, but wanting to extend that invitation out to you guys to get you involved in that as well. If you're interested, put your name on that list. They also, the elders also are wanting to invite you to a study with the elders on Tuesday night, the 13th of this month. After this month, it'll go to the first Tuesday of every month at 6 p.m. here at the building. And last but not least, you guys ready for tonight? They're not even looking at me. Hey, put the games away. You guys ready for tonight? Yes, I am. Okay, way in the back. What are we, t- what are we studying tonight? I like how the guys leading the Devo are like, I don't know what we're studying tonight. Our youth are leading the devotional tonight at 6 p.m. I want to encourage you, be here for it. Encourage these young men. Get, get, get involved in their lives Uh, and the work that they're going to be doing for us. I think it's going to be a huge benefit to us uh, to see these young men get up here and lead the devotional thought and the singing, the prayers, the whole nine yards. Bud's been working with them for the last little bit. I know that he's excited about what he's going to see them do. I'm excited about what I'm going to see them do. You should be excited about what you're going to see them do as we get to participate together in that. Okay, there is an elephant in the room. Everybody see it? It's the 4th of July. It's Independence Day. And I always like asking the younger kids, and I've done it for years, asking the younger kids what the 4th of July means to them. And I got some responses from the Facebook post, and I didn't get a bunch, so I'm going to share some of my favorites uh, over the last few years that I've gotten. One of them came from a young lady uh, here at Boulevard, and she had said that it stands for our independence, and we stand up for the flag. That's what the 4th of July means to her. Other children have said, fireworks and food. (laughs) 
Oh, they get better, trust me. These are my favorites. I don't know. We celebrate something. <laughs> or when that document was signed and we were free. When that document was, it's not that big of a deal, really. That document. Another child had said, it's important because it's when we got freed from the English and it's a celebration of freedom. And of course, my all-time favorite that will stay on my list for probably until I go to heaven, it means you have to punch them in the face. <laughs> this is what a young boy said to me of what, he, what Fourth of July meant to him. It means you have to punch them in the face. I won't tell you who that young man is, but he might be related to me. This week, and over the last few days, millions of Americans have gotten together to grill meat and blow stuff up. That's what we do on the 4th of July, right? Unless you're vegan. And then you just blow stuff up. And we do this every year, right? To celebrate our country's independence from Great Britain. You guys know how long it's been? Kids, front row, how long has the United States been a free and independent nation? I'll give you a hint, it's older than you. It starts with a two and ends with a 45. You still don't know? I just heard a young man say 274. And this is why we celebrate the 4th of July. Starts with a two and ends with a 45. Try again. Where are your parents? I'm serious now. They just said 2,745. Where's BJ? Where? He's back there hiding himself. He's just got his, this is how BJ's sitting right now, by the way. Make you proud, don't they? All right, take the seven out. 245, guys. 245, that's how long it's been since that document was signed and we became a free and independent nation, right? And a lot of times what happens on the 4th of July is we begin to focus on our rights, on our freedoms, and we usually ascribe those rights and freedoms to the wrong source. Uh, and, and I feel like I'm actually uniquely qualified to talk about this real quick because I spent eight years in the Marine Corps. So you're hearing a veteran say this. Those that served in the military did not give you freedom. Freedom does not come from the military. Freedom doesn't come from government. Freedom doesn't actually come from any man-made institution that we may ascribe our rights and freedoms to and say, oh, thank you so much, nebulous body of people that gave us freedom. That is not where freedom comes from. In fact, if you look at Benjamin Franklin, we go to our founding fathers to get the idea of what they were thinking. Benjamin Franklin had said, Freedom is not a gift bestowed on us by other men, but a right that belongs to us by the laws of God and nature. Okay, so Benjamin Franklin is going to ascribe freedom to God. And, and if we understand how God operates and who God is, then we come to a very quick understanding that God wants all men everywhere to be free. 
free to fulfill their potential. To, to be, to use a, a slogan that I can't even believe is going to pass through my mouth, to be all we can be. To fulfill that potential, Patrick Henry would say this. He said, bad men cannot make good citizens. A vitiated, that would be destroyed state of morals. A corrupted public conscience are incompatible with freedom. So it's not that we were, free to, we, we were made free to do whatever we want, but to actually be who we're supposed to be. Thomas Paine puts it this way, and I would encourage you to, if you haven't memorized this quote, devoted to memory, Thomas Paine would say, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, now ladies, this doesn't give you an opt-out on this, but must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it. So these men understood that freedom came from God, it was bestowed upon men by God, but with that freedom comes responsibility. We find ourselves in Philemon this morning. If you would turn in your Bibles over there, we're going to actually read that entire book. We're going to take a break from our study from Mark and pick up, Lord willing, next week with Mark chapter 4. But if you find yourselves with a Bible in your hands, I'd encourage you to turn over to Philemon with me as we read through the actual story that's happening here. Now, Philemon is... I think a lot of times we apply, think about this book of the Bible, it's just a story of a runaway slave returning to his master, but I'd like to think about it in terms of what freedom actually looks like, or think of it in terms of how a free person behaves toward his fellow man. And so it starts with Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker, and to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as, <clears throat> excuse me, since I am such a person as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, whom, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me. I have sent him back to you in person, that is, sending my very heart, whom I wish to keep with me so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but of your own free will. For perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while, that you would have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? If then you regard me a partner, accept him as you would me. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. 
I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it, not to mention to you that you owe to me even your own self as well. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, since I know that you will do even more than what I say. At the same time, also prepare me a lodging, for I hope that through your prayers I will be given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now, this is an interesting story, and we get a little bit of it that's broken down for us uh, here, but understand that Philemon is a man that Paul met on his third missionary journey, and he is converted during that journey. And he's apparently a pretty wealthy man. He's got the church meeting in his house, which would tell me that there's at least enough space in his house for the church to meet, which means he has the economic means to accomplish these types of things. But he also appears to me to be a person who loves the Lord and loves the Lord's people. Now, don't forget, Philemon is a man who knows what freedom is. He's experienced true freedom, that forgiveness of sins in Jesus, the, the bought out of slavery and made truly free through his obedience to the gospel. And, and the freedom that the gospel brings, Paul is actually very quick to remind him, the freedom that the gospel brings is not without restrictions, that he must, like Thomas Paine had said, undergo the fatigue of supporting it. There's work that he's supposed to be doing, and I think part of that work that he's supposed to be doing is actually outlined in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, right? Because in there, Paul is writing to the church at Colossae, and he says, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, and so here's the, the support and the, the obligation that is put on those who believe in Jesus and have confessed him, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Underline that last part in verse 13 if it's not already underlined in your Bible. Because that is what freedom is. And that's what freedom does. That you understand what was done for you through the Lord, and so you, in turn, give that back out to the people that you come into contact with. This is a basic premise, a basic principle for living as a free people. Amen. Now, Onesimus is a slave, okay? And, and by the way, I'm not convinced that Onesimus is actually his name. I think Onesimus is a nickname that Paul has given him. I don't know what his real name is, uh, but Onesimus literally means useful where you look back at the letter back in Philemon, where he says in verse 11, who was formerly, formerly useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me. That means, Onesimus means useful. Okay, so I don't know what his real name is, but I think it's kind of fun that Paul throws this nickname on him, and that's how he refers to Philemon the whole time in this letter. Okay, so he was a slave, and he has run away from his master uh, and probably stole from him, okay, uh, to finance whatever he was wanting to do. If you look at verses 18 and 19, uh, you know, Paul says, if he owes you anything, just charge that to my account. I think that as he ran away, he stole from his master so that he would have the financial means to get wherever it is that he wants to get going. Well, one thing leads to another. Somehow, some way, he ends up in contact with Paul in Rome and is converted to Jesus while he's in Rome as a runaway slave, okay? 
So this man that might be considered useless because a runaway slave doesn't really bring any benefit to, your, to the household, who was considered useless, has now, been, has now become, I guess we should say, truly useful in the Lord and in his service to Paul. So much so that Paul wanted to keep Onesimus with him. But there's a problem. Because who's a Roman citizen here? Paul is. And there were requirements that were placed on Roman citizens as it pertained to runaway slaves. Now, if a slave decided to run away yeah, and they were caught and a Roman citizen caught them, there were a couple of options that a, a Roman citizen had. The first was probably the easiest and the least financially burdening. Just kill him. They would kill that slave and just send word back to the master that, that they'd caught the runaway slave and they would be killed. Or they could get, if they caught that runaway slave, Roman practice was that they would brand their face and then send them back to the master for the master to do whatever the master wanted to do. And, it, and when they re returned back to the master, well, then the master had two options. The first one was the easiest, kill him, or bring him back into the household, back into the level of service that he was operating in prior to him running away. So those are our two options for runaway slaves here. So Paul, as a Roman citizen, sees this man, gets to know him, and says, hey, what brings you to Rome? Interesting that we meet. Well, you know, I used to live <clears throat> over here. Oh, well, what, why'd you leave? Can you imagine the conversation? And the confession that he's a runaway slave and, and telling Paul about these things. And Paul teaches him the gospel. He obeys the gospel. And through the course of their time together, I'm sure that it was lengthy conversations about how, Paul need, how he needs to go back to his master. Because that's the right thing to do. And so he sends Onesimus back to Philemon. And all the while, urging Philemon to treat Onesimus in the same way that Christ dealt with him. Alexander Hamilton said, there's a certain enthusiasm in liberty that makes nature rise above itself. Paul understands that the gospel, the freedom and the liberty that it brings is meant to elevate us above the standard by which everyone else lives. Okay? And so a runaway slave returning back to his master who is a Christian, Paul says, we're supposed to act better than everybody else that's out there. Not only is he a benefit to me, he's a benefit to you, and now he's a benefit to the Lord because he is our brother. And so here's the appeal that Paul makes to a free man. He says, listen, here's the deal. Verse 8, I could order you to do what's right. I could. I could order you to do what is right. But that's not freedom. That's not what living as a free man is. Instead, 
He allows Philemon to act according to his own free will, which we see there at the end of verse 14. And then we jump down to verse 21. He says, I have confidence in your obedience that as I write to you, since I know that you will do even more than what I say. And that's the end of the story. We don't know how Philemon deals with Onesimus. But church tradition and the early church fathers tell us a lot about what happened. That Onesimus ends up being an elder of the church from the traditions that are passed down. That he becomes a continued benefit to the saints in Philemon's house. Because a free man, what did our reading say? You guys remember that? A free man has the same attitude that existed in Christ Jesus, that he empties himself. He takes the form of a bondservant and is obedient, even, even to the point of death, but remembers what was accomplished for him by Jesus and in turn acts that way toward those that he finds himself in contact with. That's what freedom is. And I would submit to you that our forefathers understood, our nation's forefathers understood what freedom is. Do we? Do we understand what freedom is, what it looks like, and where it comes from? Or are we continuing to put our own viewpoint and bias and attitude toward freedom? And so I will submit to you that we pray that God may bless us to act as a free people. Not because we're Americans, but because we're Christians. That our God, the creator of the universe, the ultimate power, not the Death Star in Star Wars, but the ultimate power in the universe, deemed his creation worthy of the blood of his son because he wanted us to be free, to be who he has purposed us to be, to be in relationship with him, which we can't have without Jesus to be free to act as his son's ambassadors on this earth. And so he sends his son to this earth in the form of man to show us what God looks like, to see how God behaves as he interacts with his creation so that we could witness the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And, and understand here, guys, if, if Jesus just was was killed on the cross, and that was the end of the story, there's no hope there. That's just another Jewish individual that Rome has killed. The power of the gospel resides not in Jesus' death, but in his resurrection. And that's what frees us to be who God's calling us to be. Who wants to be free today? Make the confession of Jesus as Lord. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Raised a new creature. Added to the kingdom of saints who are truly free. And be who God has called you to be. 
There's an opportunity that we're going to have here very quickly when Eric stands to lead the song for us, that if you have not become free, you find yourself mired in the pits of slavery and sold into bondage because of your sin, Jesus promises redemption and freedom from that sin. Make the confession. Be baptized. If you need prayers of the body, because you struggle finding yourself falling back into the old ways of slavery and have forgotten what freedom actually is and need help and accountability and encouragement, this is a time to make that known as well. Whatever we can do for you, we encourage you. Come forward. Make it known while we stand and sing.